This episode is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Named the best podcast of 2018 by Apple. Tons of fascinating guests. Untold stories you won't hear anywhere else. Expand your wisdom and discover other perspectives that you've never considered before with The Jordan Harbinger Show. Join Jordan as he interviews high-profile people as well as intriguing personalities. Each episode features a discussion that might just take you anywhere. I recommend episode 970, where Jordan and guest Annie Jacobson talk nuclear annihilation. How likely is it? How scared should you be? And what comes after? There's also episode 886 with David Farina, which delves into the wacky world of flat earthers. These episodes are great starting points, but you're sure to find deep, interesting, and thought-provoking topics throughout Jordan's catalog. Turn off the music and turn up the wisdom with The Jordan Harbinger Show. We really enjoy this show and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. It's almost Valentine's Day and I'm ready to rip your heart out. This is Darkness Prevails, the best place to share your creepy true stories with the world because this world is a strange one. The end of days is coming, February 14th. The day men forget things and their lives come to an end. The day women's hopes and dreams are crushed. Because, like I said, men forget things. So to really get you into the loving mood, I have some allegedly true stories of creepy Valentine's Day encounters. Real quick, here are my favorite early comments from my previous full video. Alexander Moore says, I used to think creepypasta meant pasta that was creepy. Here's an unfun, boring fact for you. It comes from the word copy-pasta. The horror community made a pun out of it as creepy-pasta, and we just see it as creepypasta. Yay, facts. Melina Diaz says, It'd be cool if the missus read a story for Valentine's Day. Well, I've been trying to get her to, but she just won't do it. She's super shy, but I love her. Alma Chroma says, Makes me glad my girlfriend isn't the crazy anchovy. Um, are you implying that anchovies are all crazy? Because I'll go full social justice on you. Joel says, What's your favorite color? That's easy. The color of grassy fields, the leaves on trees, and my bathroom. Green. And Soul Scythe says, I hate when you gotta sneeze, but you can't, and it stings. Well, that's a wrap, people. We just heard the scariest story on the planet Earth. For real, though, I hate it when my sneezes don't come in threes. They usually do, but then I get that twosome, and it really makes me angry. Now, let's move on to these stories. Before I ask you, will you be my valentine? 
Number one, my Valentine's Day horror story. Submitted by, we are one forever. It was a year ago on my birthday, which is the same day as Valentine's Day. I live in a small village near a bigger town where everyone knows each other and almost no crimes ever happen there. Maybe a small robbery here and there, but that's it. So it was February 14th, my birthday, and I was hanging out with my two best friends, Kate and Peter. I was turning 13 that year, so that made me the oldest out of the three of us. We were watching scary movies, eating popcorn, and just enjoying our time together. You see, the room we were in, it was sort of underground, but the windows were still there, so you could see what's happening outside. It was already pretty dark by then, at 5.30 p.m. My parents weren't home at the time, so I thought, what if we drank a little? It was my birthday after all. Peter wasn't in the mood, so it was just me and Kate. We felt so cool then. I don't remember how many drinks we had, but I was already feeling kind of weird, and we decided to stop. We were only kids after all. A while later, the time was about 7.46, strange things started to happen. First, there was a knocking on the windows. We were sitting, our backs facing them, so it was surprising, annoying, and a little creepy to suddenly turn around to see who or what was knocking on the windows. I thought it may have been my grandma's cat messing with something outside, but I didn't see him so I wasn't sure what it was. A while later, the knocking stopped. We didn't think much about it, since the house is near a forest. At this time, it could have been some animal. After a bit more drinking, the knocking resumed. Now, it was especially loud. We were getting even more scared. Kate suggested that we go investigate it to be sure what it was. Are you crazy? Peter said to us. What if it's a psycho? <laughs> Don't be such a wimp. Kate replied, I was scared too. Maybe we shouldn't go. It's probably just an animal, I said to them, and we continued watching our movies. I'd like to note here that it made me more creeped out that Peter, who hadn't been drinking at all, was also hearing these knocks. For a while, nothing else happened besides the knocking. I don't remember what I was doing, but at one point, I looked back at the window, and what I saw, I still remember to this day. It was a man. He was peering down and looking into the window. He would have to be laying on the ground to see inside, but there he was. It looked as if he was doing just that. I looked back at him, and when I saw his eyes staring back into mine, I screamed. He just continued looking at us, like I haven't noticed him staring. I was so frightened, but Kate and Peter seemed so calm. Kate asked me quietly, is the door locked? I said, I, I don't know. There are three doors in this house, and I had to go lock them all. I told Kate to call my parents while I did that, and ask them what we should do. We were children. We had no idea what we were supposed to do in this situation. The man just kept staring through the window, not caring that we knew he was there. 
At one point, because he didn't really move, we thought that maybe he wasn't alive. My parents said that they were on their way home, and my father told me to stay together and stay safe. We all sat on the sofa together, watching and waiting. My parents were about a 20-minute ride away from our house. It was after 10 minutes when we realized the man was gone. He was no longer lying down and peeking inside at us. No, we were beyond terrified still. I called my dad and he told us that they would be home very soon and that the police were on their way as well. About two minutes later, we started to hear sounds coming from upstairs. And what happened after that moment, it was a blur. I remember Kate started sobbing and Peter was holding on to us tight. The man was in the house and it sounded like he was walking around with heavy metal boots. We could hear his every step and he sounded like he weighed a ton. He just walked about the house. I tried to tell myself that it wasn't happening, that we were going to be fine and that my dad would be here soon with the police to protect us. But one side of my brain kept telling me that this man was dangerous, that he was going to take us or end us. That's when we heard police cars pulling up and we were more than relieved. I cried with happiness. The man who was still on the floor above us sounded like he took off at a sprint. I know my house very well and I could tell by the sound and location that he was entering the kitchen which was right above us. A police officer entered our home and took us outside. Not long afterwards, we saw the man. They found him hiding behind the kitchen counter. He hadn't tried to leave. He had tried to stay and not be found. He looked poor, sick. His hair was long and gray, and he looked to be around 60 years old. We still don't know what he wanted from us, or why he stared at us for so long. Me and my friends still remember this event, and we never stay home alone at my house without locking each and every door. Maybe it is better to have a date ready on Valentine's Day, because at least you can be out in the public, around other people at a restaurant or something, and not home alone, waiting for some creeper to come watch you through the window. Number two, Bad Bear, submitted by Crimson Grin. Who remembers Teddy Ruxpin? You know, that animatronic teddy bear that would read bedtime stories via a cassette deck in its back and eight D-cell batteries like Doritos. Well, my story is about one such toy. If you ask people from the 80s generation about him, you'll get mixed reactions. Some adored Teddy Ruxpin, while others loathed him, called him creepy. Me, well, I got to experience Teddy Ruxpin in both lights. I was six years old, and all I wanted for Christmas was that bear. Unfortunately, he was a popular buy, and my mom missed out on his purchase. I ended up with a remote-controlled car and a demeanor that screamed disappointment. Mom tried to get home for my birthday, 
but my day of uterine liberation falls 13 days after Christmas, and he was still a hot commodity. It wasn't until the weekend of Valentine's Day where my luck would change. You see, for Valentine's Day, my babysitter had a bad breakup with her boyfriend, and she began to get rid of all the things he had purchased for her. She let my mom in on the fact she had a ruxpin and ended up just giving it to her. You could probably guess by now that my eyes lit up like a proverbial Christmas tree when I saw that bear sitting on the couch on Valentine's Day when I came home from school. Little did I know it would turn out to be the absolute worst and most horrifying gift I would ever receive, let alone a Valentine's Day gift. He went everywhere with me, did everything with me, and was without question my favorite toy. And then it happened. My mother was working on polishing some old furniture in the garage, and she left for a short period of time, only to come home to an inferno. The fire burned the garage to the foundation and took the kitchen and back bedroom with it. As far as I knew, my beloved toy was now an incinerated gremlin parked in the decimated parking bay. My six-year-old heart sank because not only had I lost my favorite toy, I'd lost my home. The culprit was faulty wiring and the light hanging just over the counter my mother rested the polished soaked rags upon. The bulb had apparently popped and proceeded to set the rags ablaze. Fast forward seven years. I was 13 and my grandmother was having an attic cell. I was helping move things to the front yard when my uncle lugged a heavy metal military style footlocker down the attic steps. He lost his grip and it careened downward, crashing hard upon the landing. Thankfully though, nobody was hurt. That thing weighed well over 100 pounds and had it hit someone, it would have severely injured if not completely ended the life of someone if they had been in the way. My mom came in to inspect the commotion and her jaw dropped when she saw the trunk. It had been in our garage at the time of the fire. She called me into the house and when I came in, she was holding my old Teddy Ruxpin. Somehow, he was virtually undamaged by the fire, as were the random mishmash of photo albums and He-Man toys in the chest. I turned him on happily and pressed play. He began to tell the story on his cassette tape. He still worked. Now I was 13 and had long outgrown the need for a bedtime story, but the nostalgia was still there and I still had a purpose for my Teddy Ruxpin, pranking. I rushed to my room and went through my tape collection, eventually setting on a heavy metal mix that featured Slayer's raining blood. I put the tape in and laughed gleefully as his eye and mouth moved to the scary sounding music. I took Teddy and stuck him in my little brother's pile of stuffed animals, and I pressed play, then called him to his room. He saw the talking and screaming bear, and he ran out of the room completely freaked out. Feeling satisfied, I popped the tape out and stuck him in my room on my dresser. It was good to have him back, and even though I was older, I still had good use for him. That night, I was trying to go to sleep, and I hear what I can only describe as a whisper-like low growl. 
I shot up in bed and looked over in the direction of the toy only to see it had changed positions and was now facing my bed. Its mouth and eyes were moving and the noise was coming from it despite having no tape inside the player anymore. I pulled my Swiss Army knife from my nightstand and proceeded to pop open the battery bay in order to remove those Duracells. I was met with another abject horror instead. When I opened up the bear's back, I found corrosion and damaged wiring under heat burst batteries. Despite the toy's outward appearance, the fire had somehow damaged it internally. Its inner mechanisms should have never worked in that condition. I had to pry the batteries out forcefully, and even though I had successfully removed them, Teddy Ruxpin's face was still moving, and the noise it was making grew louder, and I just said, screw it, screw the nostalgia. I opened my bedroom window and tossed it into the trash can outside. Satan's little bear was now the trash people's problem now. I know many of you would call BS on this, but I honestly remember this like it was yesterday, and it's 23 years later. Think what you will, but I can assure you, this did happen to me. The only reason I tell this story now is due to the sudden resurgence of slightly reimagined 1980s toys that have begun to hit the store shelves again. Guess which one just hit our local Walmart? Guess which one my four-year-old son wants in the worst way? Every time I look back to that Valentine's Day when I picked up that bear for the first time, I cringe. So you can probably believe me when I say I'm currently attempting to get my son more into Legos. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer, Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play with my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Number three, a Valentine's Day spook, submitted by Marie. Me and a friend of mine named Chase went for a walk on Valentine's Day night. Neither of us had a date, so we decided to hang out together, as well as let our dogs have a good time together. We had our dogs Lee, a Doberman Pinscher, Cake, a German Shepherd, and Chase's dog Baker, a Beagle, and Luca, a Border Collie. We were walking our dogs when they all began to growl, so me and Chase looked around, trying to figure out what they were growling at when we saw a man walking behind us. Now, I was a paranoid and nervous person, and I had always carried pepper spray with me when I was out, alone or otherwise. So when I saw the man coming up from behind us, I put my hand on the pepper spray just to be ready. Even still, I fully expected the man to walk by us without a word, just another passerby. But when he was about to walk past me on the walkway, he stopped turned toward me slowly. He smelled horrid, and his face looked entirely unkept. Then he spoke to me. My, my, little lady. That boy and those dogs weren't around. Mm. <laughs> I would have my way with you. And in a quick, sudden moment, he lurched forward and hit Chase in the face knocking him to the ground and causing the dogs to go into a frenzy. The larger dogs jumped on his back as he had turned to face me to do God knows what. Chase, who was thankfully still conscious, got up and threw himself at the guy. I pulled out my phone and dialed 911. The guy was arrested and the short but intense horror story we had just experienced was over. I don't know what his problem was, if he really wanted to hurt me, or if he wanted a reason to be sent to jail. Well, he got one, and that Valentine's Day, as well as the next few weeks, were ruined for us. Chase and I didn't feel safe on our dog walks anymore, and together we attended a little bit of therapy to deal with the random act of terror brought on by a complete stranger. Number four, I thought I was alone on Valentine's Day. Submitted by Judge Greg. On Valentine's Day of 2014, I was single and in a point in my life where I thought I'd stay single forever. 
I never thought I'd say this, but now I would have rather stayed alone. That day, a few hours after school, I sank into the couch watching reruns on Nickelodeon while my mom and dad got ready to go out for a reservation they had at an overpriced restaurant. They gave me the usual shtick before they left. They said not to answer the door for anyone, not to order pizza as there was food in the fridge already, and to keep my cell phone charged with the ringtone fully on. Them checking up on me was common, and I wasn't really in the mood that night for them to get home and chew me out because I hadn't been responding to their check-in texts. Soon enough, they were gone, ready for their fun evening, and I was ready to fight off depression with some fairly odd parents. Only a few minutes after they left, the doorbell suddenly rang. I was in the living room, so the front door was a meager five or so yards away from me. The fact that it was nighttime, hearing someone at the door was strange and unsettling. I proceeded to ignore it though, and turned up the volume on the TV. Whoever was outside rang another two times, seemingly not getting the hint that if someone was home, they weren't going to answer their door tonight. Instead of giving up though, they did something that immediately made me mute the television. They tried the doorknob. I heard them rattle it, checking to see if it was locked. But part of me was horrified that it might not have been. It was, and the person seemingly walked away. There was no more rattling at the door. What in the world, I thought. Why would someone try to get inside the front door? Can they not hear that I'm in here? If they did know and they wanted to get inside anyway, what were they trying to do? What would they have done if they did get in? I was praying that was the end of it, but I was terribly wrong. Maybe 20 minutes passed by before I heard a sudden horrid sound from the kitchen. The sound of glass shattering and scattering upon the floor. Someone had broken in our home. Better yet, the kitchen and living room were only separated by a small walkway. The first destination for this intruder would have to be the living room, where I was sitting, dumbfounded and afraid. What would you do in this situation? I'm sure a lot of people daydream about this. What you'd do if someone broke into your home? You tell yourself you'd fight, grab something and let them have it. But me, I was so taken off guard that I ran. I bolted for the front door, leaving them inside my house. They could take or destroy whatever they wanted. I wasn't about to stay in there with them and let them do anything to me. I'm sure my parents would rather have a missing table or vase and not a missing child. I crouched cowering below the front fence. I was just outside my yard, staring into the windows of my own home, the place that was supposed to be a shelter for me. And then the front door opened. The light from the living room drowned out any of the details of the figure standing in the doorway. I saw a tall, ragged silhouette with hair going down below his or her shoulders. This told me all I needed to know. They broke into my home, but it wasn't for what was inside the house, rather who had been in the house. I don't know who it was that was trying to get to me, 
but if they wanted in the house so bad just to find me, I had to stay hidden. Sooner or later, though, he would find me. He began to search the yard, looking for any sign of where I'd been. I turned slowly, looking towards the neighbor's house. They were awake, but I wasn't sure if they were still home. They always kept their cars in the garage, and their porch lights were always on day or night. It would be a gamble. If they were home, I'd be saved. But if they weren't, this stranger would get me. I felt tears rolling down my face. I'd never dreamed I'd be in a situation like this, on Valentine's Day, nonetheless, and to think I was starting to miss being alone for that day. I counted down in my head. I squeezed shut tightly. Three, two, one. I ran as hard as I could, feet slamming against asphalt, Pain shot through me when the occasional stray pebble buried itself into my heel, but I ignored it. I pushed forward. It wasn't long until I could hear the stranger behind me. They were older, taller, and they were gaining on me at a nightmare's speed. Tears were flying past my face as the wind pried them from my eyes. I realized I'd closed them when I started running. I opened my eyes once more and saw something miraculous my neighbor taking out his trash. He had just opened his front door, trash bag in hand. He looked at me and gave me this bewildered expression. It was over. The footsteps behind me took off in a different direction. I plowed into my neighbor, forcing my way behind him. All the while, he kept asking me what kind of game I was playing with my friend. I called my parents with my neighbor's ancient landline and soon they were home and with the police. Unfortunately, I had no details of the stranger, but perhaps it was for the better that I never got close enough to them to get any details. I don't know who they were, but thinking about what they were planning to do if they got a hold of me, that scares the ever-loving crap out of me. And number five, chocolate, submitted by... Grim Tale Brothers. I hate Valentine's Day. My girlfriend loved it though. She always tried to convince me it was the best holiday of the year. I firmly disagreed. I was finishing up working at my new job and was clocking out. My girlfriend texted me. Now, this was odd. We usually had a ritual. It was basic, but after work, I would go to her house where she would have the food and the movie ready for us. Being one of those weird couples, you know, the couples that do everything together. Her text read, Come home, I need you here. I then texted back asking if everything was okay. There was no reply. I quickly jumped into my car. Worried, I noticed I was driving well over the speed limit. Then I hear the texting alert from my phone. She had texted me again, and she said in all capital letters, please help me. I gripped my phone tighter, and I drove as fast as I could. A couple of minutes later, I get another text, and they became consistent. They all said, help me. I called 911. They dispatched a patrol unit to the location of my girlfriend's house, 
but I kept driving. I knew I would make it way sooner than the cops would. So I arrive at my girlfriend's house. I ran upstairs and what I saw confused me. Lying there under the blankets on her bed, she looked like she was sleeping, taking a nap. I steadily and quietly made my way over to the side of her bed where she was lying down. Then I see a note placed neatly on the nightstand with what seemed to be a small box of chocolates, which most were missing. I opened the note. It read, Happy Valentine's Day, hun. I hope you like the chocolates. Why did she buy me chocolates? I hated chocolates. I shrugged it off as unusual, but whatever. I carefully yet nervously removed the blanket from her body. As I do, I see my girlfriend's face is blue. I realized at this point, she had choked on one of the pieces of chocolate. Like whispers in the wind, I can hear sirens. They were coming. I did all I could think to do. I rolled over my girlfriend and tried to start CPR on her. She wasn't breathing. I was praying the medics could revive her. I remember tears streaming down my face, landing on her skin, and then I prayed that she still had a pulse. This may not be horror in the sense of some of these stories, but to find your significant other unconscious one day and supposedly gone, it's a very terrible feeling. My girlfriend did survive. She and I are fine and happy together today, but I do have to say this. I hate Valentine's Day. Hey guys, Darkness Prevails here, and I'm with my wife today. Hey everyone, we wanted to wish you a fun and safe Valentine's Day. That's right, it's usually all fear and jeers here on the Darkness Prevails YouTube channel. Yet as with any holiday, it should be about spending time with the ones you love, staying warm, staying safe. So you all go on and have a great time. My wife and I will be feasting on chocolates instead of flesh for a moment. Good night. Be sure to leave a like, share, and comment and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. Don't forget, you can always send me your stories with the links in the description. Also, there are multiple ways you can support this channel. You can check out morbidmonsters.com to buy some really cool shirts featuring your favorite creepy monsters and ghouls. Everything's under $20. Or you could donate even a dollar on Patreon at patreon.com slash darkness prevails. Taxes are killer for us this year, so every little bit helps. To everyone who has donated in the past, who has bought a shirt to support us, or simply views on a regular basis, thank you all so much. We're here and growing because of you. Thank you all. We love you guys.